Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 35, 36, and 37 of The Great Hunt, Steading Sofu, Among the Elders, and What Might Be. Enjoy! All right, welcome to season two, episode sixteen. It's actually our fortieth episode. So, yeah, we did this. yeah good old forty. Yeah. <laughs> feels like we've been doing this forever. It's almost a, that, that fifty-two mark. You know, when we get to that whole t- a year. That's gonna be fun. But uh, we're almost there. We're getting close. Um, so, as always, I got to start with uh, shout-outs to our new patrons. Uh, we have one. It's Miki Sadai. I think it's how you pronounce it, Miki. Um, thank you so much for your patronage, and we appreciate it very much to all our patrons. No new milestones as far as listeners or followers for us. Uh, the new designs for merch, I've been told, will be coming this week, but uh, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath quite yet, but there's new designs going to come to our merch store. Just keep going, looking for it. I updated the link in our Discord, also on our website. Um, it's updated as well, so there's a new website for that. It's still the same person we're using, just... Everything's updated. And before I go into the giveaway for tonight, I do want to introduce our guest. So many of you all know, a lot of you are here because of it. We have Matt from the Dusty Wheel. Uh, <laughs> a lot of you are here because of it. That was the sweetest thing I think anyone's ever said. <laughs> yeah. You know, normally people don't really pay attention to us. But, you know, the Dusty Wheel's here, the innkeeper, it's a big deal. So uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about what you do. Not that people don't know, but um, and shamelessly plug yourself. Sure. My name is Matt and I'm an alcoholic. No, uh, so my name oh. is Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is uh, Matt Hatch, the innkeeper from the Dusty Wheel, a live call and talk show all about the Wheel of Time. Come see us every Wednesday night and sometimes on Sundays until we get too tired, then just on Wednesdays. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> now, now, Matt's, Matt's been, so for Ian and Chris, Matt's been involved with the Wheel of Time for a very long time. Um, now you're, you're one of the early, early forum people, right? You started the, <laughs> that's the theory. What I find great about when I do these is uh, most of the time the host ends up, uh, introducing the other part of my work. Yeah. So, uh, back in 1998, that's how old I am. I started theoryland.com and, uh, yeah, I've been talking about the wheel of time online ever since then. And, uh, and yes, this uh, the wheel of, the theoryland the wheel of time theoryland.com ended up in towers of midnight as an inn called the dusty wheel hence the name of my live call and talk show and uh, yeah mm-hmm. i am the innkeeper who talks to i can't remember if i even like talk to matt but yeah anyways yeah yeah so, so you're in the, you're, you're so cool. in the books yes <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. In the books. Yeah, I know. It's it is it's it never gets it never stops being cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So pretty awesome. So uh, since we do have a guest tonight, I am going to we're doing a giveaway. We're gonna give away a hardcover copy of The Great Hunt, because that's what we're covering right now. So Matt, pick a number one through seventeen. Uh I well <laughs> then it has to be the lucky thirteen, of course. Lucky thirteen. All right. Ooh. One, two, three. Five, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Again, 
Nerdy Nittany wins. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. Did I count right? Yeah, that's 13. Yep. Yeah, that's what I counted. Yep. So um, you won a book. Uh, I think she won a few weeks ago. Um, uh, she won a t-shirt. So awesome. Yeah, t-shirt. Yeah. So expectations of you. You must be severe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. We're just drawn to her and, and give her stuff. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So um, with that being said, I'll move right into personal life before we get into things. We always talk about what's going on in our personal life. Um, my biggest thing that's been going on is I had my anniversary yesterday with my wife. Seven years. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Day, but yeah, that's it goes by fast. And uh, we got some sweet mugs in the mail last week. That was exciting. So I got my dust wheel yeah. mug. Thank you, Matt. And we and we got our our wheel reads mug as well. So I finally got my own mug. Um, so <laughs> and Chris, yeah. and Chris is still at both of yours. I gave Ian his, but uh, I still have both of yours. I will come uh, by tomorrow and pick them up. I'm excited for them. I was gonna say, okay, like cool. I thought I sent you more than just yours. Chris was out of town, so he hasn't picked his up yet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I christened mine with a whole bottle of a uh, Cabernet, so it was, yeah, it was delicious, especially that mug. Just mm, hit the spot. Yeah, that's some really good Game of Thrones wine that I'm going to pour into it. Ooh. Nice Game of Thrones wine. Nice. I had some Game of Thrones ale. It was like, I don't know, Winter's Coming ale oh, or something okay. like that. It's okay. Yeah, all this kind of <laughs> all right, but you know. I'm waiting to open the scotch. I've got a bunch of the um, the liquor bottles, the house of liquor mm. bottles. Yeah, so. But seven years, huh? Yeah. Seven years of marriage. That's, that's good, man. Yeah, seven years. I remember back it's then when I was only married seven years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, feel so, <laughs> I feel so old. Oh, damn. Yeah. Well, well yeah. It, yeah. But we, we actually got married later in life. Um, sure. yeah, I, we, we, got, we got married in our 30s. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, we will, um, we will continue to pray for her. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Ian, what's going on in your life? I know you're you're moving. You have lots of stuff going on. Uh, yeah. So the actual work life is dwindling. Um, since I'm on my way out, you know, two weeks, and then I start the new job. Uh, but I'm still looking for apartments all over the Richmond area. Uh, I think I pretty much settled. My kids are about 45 minutes from Richmond. So I was thinking about being close to them and then commuting in and weighing all the different options. But I think I'm going to be in the city and downtown uh, as close to work as I can be. So uh, going back on this Friday in a couple of days to go look at some more apartments and check that out and try and get something signed in the next couple of weeks. So pretty excited about that. That's awesome. Cool. Chris? So, um, last week I spent a week in Charlotte with Miss Chanel. It was phenomenal. I had a great time. Just absolutely enjoyed being there and living the, you know, as we call it, playing house. You know, you're getting used to each other. You're, yeah. you're living together for a little bit just to kind of see if you can really put up with each other's idiosyncrasies. And, you know, things just were effortless. So, that was really nice. Good. Effortless for us. You know, work, yeah, that was a little difficult. It was a bit of a struggle, but we, I made it through it. And, you know, of course, I made all the mistakes for the podcast the other night. So I apologize to Alan 
Oh no! Well, I, I had a disaster last night, so it was it was fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I edit, edited the entire episode and then it erased everything, so I just started over again. Oh, <gasps> oh boy! <laughs> I still got, I still got it out today with lots of coffee at a very early morning. <laughs> uh, no. Well, see, that was me Monday. Monday I was up till three thirty working out stuff, and I had to be at work at six thirty, so. I was like, ah, you know, a power nap will be great. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. definitely into not spending a little bit more time in Charlotte uh, throughout the year. That way I can spend more time with the person that I'm falling madly in love with, which is awesome to say. Um, work is what it is. Like, it's the kids are learning, which is awesome. Like, I'm right there with the district pace, which I'm not going to talk on that, but it's okay. <laughs> We're actually looking at returning to school November 16th, quote unquote. So we'll see how that happens. Um, okay. I'm yeah. in a new place. So this, none of you knew, but maybe one or two, like my prior roommate was just like, oh, dude, you, you have weird hours. Like you're up doing this podcast thing and you're working so many jobs that you're in and out of the house so much. And it's just not fitting my style. So I got out. Now I'm in my own place. And it's nice. Okay, cool. <laughs> So, um, without further ado, I want to move right to the episode, uh, just for the sake of time and, like I said, keep things moving. So, predictions from last time and from previous times. Uh, the women that they met in the manor that were, you know, the, the real house housewives of Kyrian, as we called them, uh, they're hitting yeah. on, uh, on Rand. Um, one prediction is that they will be back later in the book. Like, why mention them if they're not going to come back later in the books? Um, so that's a prediction, maybe. Um, someone else besides our main party is going to blow the horn. Uh, I think Ian yeah. said that. Yep. That was one of Ian's predictions. Um, Tom is going to go kill the king. Um, <laughs> that was a prediction. Yeah. And then this is an old one I wanted to bring back and see if this still you guys still think this. I think this is back from Eye in the World. You guys thought that Perrin and Egwene were going to be in Ida to ship them. So... Do you guys still think that Perrin and Egwene are gonna get together? <laughs> well, there was there was that one chapter where they were tripping on shrooms together, and I thought maybe, but I don't know. You know, a hookup and getting maybe. together are two completely different things. So are they hooking up or are they getting together? Right. Yeah. Either there one. might be a one-off, you know, and yeah. maybe it already happened. And Jordan just decided not to include it, you know. <laughs> the camera panned yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> well, Matt, Matt would know if there's any notes about that. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> look, this is basically like three new readers because I don't read these books anymore. So this is all yeah. like a, this is like a Yay. first journey for me once again. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, feel free, like I said, Matt, to go ahead and ask questions, or if you're confused and don't remember what's happening, feel free just to chime in and add stuff. Uh, it's gonna be fun. So we'll get started with the first chapter, which uh, we're going through. It's chapter 35 of The Great Hunt, Getting Sofu. And the icon is the tree and the moon, the night tree thing going. So, what you guys' initial thoughts? Do I, get, the- do I get credit again? Do I get credit one more time, Alan? I want yeah, to hear you say okay, it. Okay, you can get credit one more time. Although, I don't know if you read the table of contents. But, uh, I didn't. Okay, okay. I got lucky. All right. A, a, few, a few episodes ago, Ian said, I think we're going to go to a study in a few chapters. And and actually, you said this st- particular study because the first time it was mentioned, you're like, yeah, we might go that study in a few chapters. So, yep, you, you got that one right. <laughs> Yay! 
now that we're past it, I can quit. Uh, I can quit saying that you're right and talk about that and talk about how wrong you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so um, any thoughts about this uh, chapter title? I mean, it's it's an it's an illustration, so it doesn't have a crazy. Yeah, I think form. it's a given. I mean, that's the great tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, the tree and the moon. Yeah. Okay. So it just it just signifies them going to the great tree. All right, but do you do you see like a yeah. wolf inside of that tree up there? Do I? Mean, or is it just me? Is there? Is, is, oh, is there a wolf in there? Know. Maybe <laughs> I can't tell. Maybe. Huh. There's, a, yeah. there's a wolf. There's a bear. <laughs> I see a badger. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I'm zooming in really tight to try to see these things. Am I making a fool of myself? <laughs> <laughs> Low, Maybe. Little bit. Maybe. Little bit. Everything I say Maybe. is sure. going to not be true. Just okay. <laughs> but yeah. but but that means what you just said is also not true. Oh man! Yep. So the chapters start. They're a few. They're about half a day away from Kyrian at this point. I think they've they've made it out of the city. They're heading towards the steading. Um, Intar still thinks they're being tricked. Um, like, yeah. Why why would a dark friend tell you? That they're going to Tome and Head, and you actually believe them. Like, there's nothing they're going to say. Is good. like, why don't they just tell you where they're going? Um, and Rand's avoiding Varen because he doesn't want anything to do with Isai. So let's start there. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So uh, Ingtar kind of cracks me up here, but I, I understand his frustration. It kind of goes along what we talked about in previous episodes. How uh, not not any one person or group of people seems to have all the pieces to the pie as far as the prophecy or what's supposed to happen. And clearly he doesn't know um, all of the prophecy and everything that's supposed to happen with Rand and doesn't even really know that the Aes Sedai or at least some of them see him as the dragon reborn. So obviously he's not going to buy into all this other uh, hocus pocus stuff. And, you know, why, why would a dark friend or, you know, somebody like Pat and Fane just offer this up. Well, it's, you know, because it's kind of supposed to happen, but he doesn't know that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess he's also been hijacked. I mean, this was his party. He was sent out on this quest. He has one objective, as we know about many of our um, individuals that get, you know, really focused on one particular objective. Anything that veers them off is going to upset them. And now you have somebody who's came and kind of stolen command just because of her very presence. And then it's taking him away from his objective. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really frustrating. I'd be pretty pissed off, too, to be honest with you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Can I ask um, a question here? And then, of course, Rand- yes, go for it. Whose please. objective are we talking about? We're talking about Ingtar. Ingtar. So Ingtar had a single-minded objective, and that was to find the horn. And they were traveling in the opposite direction, direction of the horn was going, because the horn was headed to Tom's head, and they're headed to the setting Tofu, which is opposite direction. So, of course, he's pretty pissed. And then you got Rand, who's got his objective. Really, his main objective is just to get the dagger back so he can help his friend out. And then if the horn happens as well, that's great because, you know, it's supposed to save the world, but at the same time, he wants to be done with it all in general. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, Inktar wants to go back to Kyrian to uh, interrogate Parthenos, uh, even though he doesn't That's know. That's going to be difficult. Yeah, well, <laughs> he doesn't know Parthenos is dead. <laughs> so, so, but he wants to go back to Kyrian to, to interrogate him to figure out whether it was the Tumen thing was real. Um, but yeah. So, but but so he's frustrated with the whole party and why they're on this wild goose chase. Um, like I said, yeah. R- Rand's av- avoiding Varen at all costs, and then Perrin starts asking Loyal about settings. Uh, I think he's more curious if wolves are allowed in because he, he's heard that uh, dark frit, that dark, that that shadow yeah. spawn can't get into settings, and that the, the one power doesn't work. And he's he's wondering if wolves go into setting. Loyal's like, yeah, why why wouldn't a wolf go in? It's not. It's just yeah, he meant to say, dark ones will not enter the setting. Neither will I Sedai normally. They can't reach the one power. And so they were going on and on about that particular moment. It's like they, because they cannot touch the true source inside the setting or channel the one power. So they made the, the distinction between the true source and the one power. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, Perrin asking this of Loyal kind of threw me off, and maybe I'm reading into it too much, but couldn't Perrin just simply reach out, you know, telepathically, empathically, however he does to the to the other wolves and ask them this? Uh, shouldn't he be able to get some sort of information from them? Yeah, um, if, if they're wolves, then, nearby. Sure. But instead, you know, he, he asked this to Loyal, so uh, I don't know. He, he's also kind of on this precipice where he wants to share his secret with others. You know, we saw him battling that earlier, like wanting to tell Rand. Um, but maybe that's part of it. Like he's, well, I think, he's on the precipice there trying to tell people what's I going on. I think, too, like he is both accepting and rejecting. So he's asking Loyal that way he doesn't have to reach out to the wolves because he's still objecting to the fact that he's going through this change. So he can easily get the answer from Loyal, and that way he doesn't have to embrace the fact that he is becoming wolf-like. So I think the question wasn't so much about the actual wolves themselves, but people like himself. Because Loyal may have been wolves can go in, but those those humans that take on those qualities cannot. So it could have just been a sideways, because we know that Perrin's a deep thinker, could have been a sideways way of trying to get some more information out of Loyal than what he actually asked. That's sure. true. Yeah. The sure. line is the line is stuck, 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 uh, sticking out to me. There we go. Um, I didn't stick that line. That was weird. But anyways, Matt, the, the one that I'm reading here going, uh, <laughs> I haven't really thought about this is, this is like Matt was the only one who seemed eager, almost desperately. So I like that. Yeah. Uh, he said Matt looked excited, but he also looked physically bad and like his spirits were high, but his physical body was nothing. But he was like the most desperate. I thought that was an interesting yeah. call out. Uh, you know, yeah, he's dying. Hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. So like, Matt, Matt is looking rough. Uh, Matt with one T, and uh, <laughs> all night long, Matt. Sorry. Um, and then, so, um, so then uh, they enter into the setting. So Rand feels, you know, the actual enter the setting, and this is a, his first time going to the setting. Of course, Perrin has been in the setting before with Elias and Egwene, uh, but I don't think Rand's been in one. He explains it as his first time. Uh, that, that feel of water, but then he feels like a lot. He lost something. Um, as he goes in, because apparently the forest looked normal, but when entering, there was a chill that passed through, like leaping into a pond in the winter. Dull, but then he also felt a dull and distant sense of loss. Mm-hmm. He said he felt refreshed, <laughs> but there was something missing. 
Right. And as he looks around, he, he notices that others feel it too. So it's not just, I mean, not just something to do with the one power. It's, you know, even the soldiers feel something change as you go through. Well, I mean, I think it's that feeling of refreshingness. Yeah. Like they all feel like they've been re-energized and you know, they've kind of got some more pep in their step all of a sudden. It's kind of like when a, a nice die touches you, I guess, and heals you. Yep. Yeah, and when, when Huron goes in, you know, I wrote the question in the margin here, you know, does that mean uh, it also cancel, cancels out his power, which, you know, we, we get to answer to that very shortly. So I thought that was neat. I'm sure Huron was super excited, probably more excited than anybody else when he crossed that line. Probably so. I didn't yeah. think about it that way, but you're right. And then we meet our next character, which is Aerith, um, who is who – is, Quickly becomes Lois Crush. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this whole scene where uh, Aerith comes out and introduces herself and 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 welcomes them into the study. Well, I think it's interesting how they talk about their voices as being the voices of small bumblebees. I thought that was pretty funny. My my mind just kind of narrowed in on that statement. It's like, I would really love to hear mm-hmm. what O'Gear sound like. I can't wait for the TV show to come out because I want to see how they portray these uh, creatures. These, uh, but then also, like, how they nail the physical looks and how they get the sounds. Like, are they going to make them more human-like and smaller, but, you know, clearly different? Or are they going to have people on stilts? Like, all of these thoughts went in my head just simply based on the very simple statement of how their voices sound. And we get Matt, who's a jerk, but <laughs> talking about how he kind of laughed about the idea that she was hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you stick loyal, yeah, go for it. Oof. <laughs> yeah, the same yeah, when, when nose and big eyes, the same wide mouth and tuft ears. Her eyebrows are not so long as Loyal's, though, and her features seem delicate besides his. The tufts on her ears were finer, and she wore a long green dress and a green cloak embroidered with flowers. So she's clearly female, but, you know, as Matt pointed out, not the prettiest. <laughs> not the prettiest to Matt. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're still out here. I mean, it's it's a mess. Yeah. Well, like the person that they cast, uh, they had casted uh, Loyal for the show. Um, You know, the guy that casted does not have pointy ears. So I know people are really upset about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not going to watch now. Hmm. (laughs) But yeah, so, um, but yeah, so, so Ogiers are going to be on the show. How they're going to do adapt that, we'll see. Because I've seen a lot of fan art in different ways as far as what Ogier looks like. Um, I, he does a pretty good job describing them, but we'll see. It's up to the TV show to interpret that however way they want. So before we move on, there's one line I, I underlined about how Loyal gave the names formally, but he didn't mention the name of his steading. And this is just adding to, um, you know, like in previous episodes, I talked about how I – I think Loyal must have done something like super taboo in the Ogier world, or he was running from something. Um, 
that that he may have done or whatever. So I'm just looking for every little bit of their interaction that might be a telltale at this point of, you know, what did he do? Or are they going to recognize him and call him out on it? Uh, and it turns out to be super hilarious what he's running from. But uh, yeah, at this point, I was like, ooh, he didn't mention which setting he's from. The plot thickens. So also this next scene, Loyal does explain the longing because they ask um, you know, about that because um, uh, you get a little bit more backstory about after the breaking that the Ogres lost their way and the steadings were lost as well and that something happened to them because beforehand they could wander forever. But after the breaking, they needed to go to a steading and during that process, a lot of them died off. Um, and then now if they leave the steading for too long, it comes back. Yeah, it says everything changed during the breaking up when the Ogier were exiled. And essentially, like you stated, they became bound to the setting and they went through like a sickening in which their bodies kind of just became little to nothing and they just died, which is kind of sad. And mm-hmm. then that's when they found out that they had yeah. to return home to kind of defeat the longing and get rid of the sickness. Um, and they thought that by returning it would be fine, but and they defeated the longing, but really they've just gotten rid of the longing by being where they're supposed to be. I'm kind of curious, why do, you, why do you think this happens? I'm wondering whether or not their power is different from the powers outside of the setting. And that it's not necessarily that, they can't, that they're kind of losing their connection to their source over time. Interesting. And that's what's keeping them alive. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm, we, I'm, we've seen them do stuff like sing to trees and do things that obviously are their own kind of we call it magic or whatever, but yeah. So, well, if, if they are very connected to nature in the world around them, when they're outside of the steading, they're exposed to this ever growing presence of the shadow. And maybe that exposure, like long-term radiation exposure, eventually it just, it, it gets to be too much for them. So they need to be in this, you know, pure area, this shadow-free area to, you know, find relief from that. It's their own version of the taint. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Rand here, though. Like, immediately when he hears this, it, it, his first thought is not a selfish one. Like, gosh, I really want Loyal to keep coming with us because he's been helpful and he's a friend and blah, blah, blah. Like, he's like, hey, do you need to, you need to stay here a while? Like, you make sure you're good. Like, there's no sense in you trying to kill yourself just to go with us. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was, you could you could tell a lot about people by their very first reaction or their first look on their face when they hear big news, you know. So, yeah, so that was from the heart. He's got some love for Loyal, as we all do. Yeah. So as they keep getting closer to wherever they're going, they hear music first, and then they see the great tree, or at least one of them. Um, and I think it's Matt. Isn't Matt who comments about how many houses they could build with it? And Loyal gets super offended. <laughs> <laughs> like... Well, I don't know why you have to ask. If someone's going to make that comment, it's going to be Matt, right? I think it was Matt. Yeah, it's Matt. <laughs> yeah, definitely Matt. Uh, no. But it's funny because it's one of those things like I might have even thought it myself. Like, man, in that one tree, you could build like 10 giant <laughs> chips, right? But you have to be sensitive enough to your audience and not say that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if you're on a car trip with 
uh, a bunch of vegans that like are adamantly against the slaughter of animals for food and you go by a cow pasture and be like golly look at them hamburgers <laughs> like that's, that's insane. <laughs> but that's you're that's, not being a good friend that's normally what but, i do <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's the opposite of parent he doesn't think first he'll speak first say what's on his mind and then be like oh maybe that wasn't maybe that wasn't the best thing to say there yeah and then we see a bunch of other ogier um and the homes are these giant mounds of the ground kind of almost like a large version of of the shire <laughs> I, I, at least that's how i picture it i picture the shire you know where they had all the the houses built into the ground where they're all small houses i just picture them as a giant shire with these giant mounds and <laughs> in the ground because yeah. Oh, you're gigantic. At least that's my the mind's eye shire. how I picture that, it. That, that works. Right. That works. Yeah. That, that's about how I pictured it. Yeah. And then, right. uh, yeah. So <laughs> bef- before we get to this next group of people that are already there, anything else that we missed or anything else you guys want to talk about from this whole entire coming to the, I guess, the village? Well, or- I mean, I like the fact that they were there playing instruments and singing and that they seemed all around kind of jolly, which was really cool since... I like to be a jolly person, but um, I find it mm-hmm. interesting. Like in my mind, all Ogier could sing to the trees. So when I was he- hearing this yep. about the singing and the instruments, I was like, so are they working magic for their setting or are they just being jolly and happy? And of course, we get kind of the answer to that later somewhat, but I wasn't quite sure if there was a purpose behind the singing or if they were just enjoying themselves. So how how high do you think a steading goes? How high does a steading go? <laughs> if if I had to pick a point, I would say as high as the tallest tree or plant or living being in that area. And by the same token, how low does a steading go? As deep as the roots, bro. Can can you dig underneath them? Go anyway. <laughs> so. We get this next scene, uh, which is really interesting because uh, Aerith announces them and we see another group of people there. Um, they're, made, they're maidens of the spear, which are Aiel, um, and kind of like warrior women. And tensions go up really, really fast. Um, I just picture Ron Burgundy, like, well, that escalated quickly. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk we- about You've got two group of people that uh, their training from the moment they're born is to not hesitate. And they know just enough about each other to see them as an enemy. (laughs) So, yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of time between eye contact, throwing the veils up, and, all right, it's about to go down. Uh, And and this is one of those things where in the – in the uh, TV series, like if they do this scene, it needs to be like bing, bang, boom. Like the, the Ogier barely got a chance to get in between them. Like maybe even to the point of, you know, swords and spears almost clashing on the Ogier stepping in between. Cause these are, as far as we know, like so far in these books, the most badass warriors that, you know, we've really run into. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's not surprising, but. Like you said, it's just a 
before you can even think it's going down. And I love everyone's reaction to this. So, like, of course, the Shinarans all take the weapons out. But then, you know, Rand takes out his sword and seeks the void. Parents take out his axe. And Matt's just like, screw this crap. I'm out. Like, I'm leaving. <laughs> like, I don't want to fight. There would reason, though. Yeah. Exactly. For reason. And this is why, like, Matt gets a bad rep sometimes for just being a knucklehead. He speaks before he thinks, but like he's still grounded in some pretty solid morals, you know, coming from the village he's from. Uh, he probably makes the most sense out of this group. And I, I think even Rand was saying after the fact, like, actually, yeah, now that he says that, I don't think I could fight a woman. But Matt, right off the bat, is like, nope, this is dumb. Look. If she stabs me, she stabs me, but I'm not I'm not fighting a woman. So well, I, I love like that. Rand realized that the hair mark blade was in his hand, but he didn't actually mean to draw it. Like he just felt threatened, so he drew it. Mm. Yeah. It's it's the Aiel in it. Yeah, that's I kind of felt that too, where it's just like the, <laughs> the the training that he's received at this point from uh, our warder friend. But also, like him seeking the void, he said he just, it happened instinctively at this point. It was just, and then there's also the point of when he found the void, it was more vast. There was echoes of emptiness. So I really honed in on that. Like, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. There are the Isle woman here, the Maidens of the Shield, and they went into action super fast. But he like snapped mm-hmm. into the void right away, sword in hand without even noticing it. But what he did pay attention to the fact was that the void had changed. Which of course the absence of Sidene, but then he's like it felt like there should be more than that even. Which is what was interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So I, I wasn't sure if I would go down this hole a little bit, but uh, I thought it was interesting. I, I guess I always just assumed him fighting the void in the flame and and Sidene is was kind of all in one. But finding the void was his method of making connection to uh, Sidene, or it puts him in a place where he can either reach out to it or it mm-hmm. reach out to him. If that makes sense, and I guess it just it went until this point that it really clicked that they're not one of the same thing. One is just a method he uses to yeah. harness that power or and harness what more it, I guess. Missing? Like if that was the one thing that he felt missing before, there was more. What else is missing from the void? Interesting. <laughs> no, 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 Matt, this is where you chime in with some uh, some insight there. I was going to ask you, can you tip over a setting? But I think we're well past that. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you get 10 o gear on one side lifting at the same time um, yeah. maybe maybe it's like cow tipping mm-hmm. you have to wait till the stain's sleeping you know get a good writing start put your up on it <laughs> anyway um so they put away oh yeah the o gear stops them you know they come in between up like stop remember over the pack and they put away their weapons and you know, the Aiel look really ashamed and embarrassed by it, uh, more so than the Shinarans do. And they bring them to well, the elders. Well, uh, they don't even. Back and, and... Was... <laughs> okay. I mean, there's a few <laughs> things about that exchange. I mean, there was, of course, a statement made that this is the first time that Ingtar had ever witnessed maidens who had 
like massed up. They stopped. It just goes to show how awesome yeah. these warrior individuals are. It's like he was literally afraid for his life, but ready to fight for his honor. But he was honestly sad that he was grateful that they were able to be stopped. And then we had the fact that they gave Ran a look of disgust. Like, I don't know if anybody else. Well, not oh, only because he has the sword. Yeah, because he has the sword. And I guess because they, he dared to raise a, raise a sword to them because, of course, he looks ideal enough. So I think there's a little bit more into that where they were like looking at him like, yo, how could you like betray your people and how the heck could you be using a sword to do it? So found that very interesting. Yeah. I know we read before, they didn't get into so much the reason why, but they did talk about how the IO men, well, and women do not use swords. And it's like, I don't know, shameful, yeah. whatever. And then we, we had the whole idea of that, have, so. the matriarchy of the Ogier and how, like, the girls would run to their mom and be like, hey, I really like him. And all of a sudden, it's like 10, 10 days later, they're getting married, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so before we get into the reason why Loyal was actually running away from his steading, and it was scandalous, uh, <laughs> I, I do want to point out. So the Ogier here seem to have this ultimate faith that within the steading, they're safe and everybody's safe. But even these Io women clearly don't think that because they knew they were in the steading. And they immediately went into attack mode. So it, I don't know that it definitely says that they have less faith in the steading. It, it could just be, you know, instinctual. That's that's the way they were raised, trained. That's what they think. But it also, you know, it does raise that question. Like, do they know more about what's coming that they're not letting on or sharing with the Ogier? You know, is there yeah. a part of the prophecy that they know about where it's like, look, nobody's going to be safe when this happening and the, and the steadings themselves are going to collapse or be taken over by the shadow. Well, so, you know, so this point yeah. that there had never been really any real harm that hoping in this happened in the setting. I mean, Herring goes, just smell the air, Lord Rand. Right. I never thought more places smelled bad. Oh, never thought most places smell bad, but this one ran. I don't think there's ever been any killing here, not even any hurting except by accident. So yeah yeah so once they leave this interchange immediately uh parent and matt get suspicious that they're not here to trade they're here looking for rand and rand's like what do you mean looking for me like because you're i yield dummy like <laughs> they're looking for he who comes with the dawn um and you're you're that guy and they told the story about they how they ran into the the other IEL guy and the whole entire story and and Rand's like, I'm not Aiel though. I was part of the two rivers. And Matt's like, Well, Inktar thinks you're Aiel, and the Ice Dice think you're Aiel, and you, you you look Aiel. Maybe you are Aiel. <laughs> when was the last time you looked in a mirror? Yeah, the, they're all starting to come around to it for sure. You know, Matt and Perrin have pretty much, well, Perrin doesn't just look at him as Aiel, but, you know, the Shadow Killer and all this stuff. And, and he's, pretty much come to terms that they've all changed in these very dramatic ways. And I just thought it was kind of cool how uh, it went about, you know, Matt being Matt telling the story and Perrin having to rein him in and, 
you know, just chime in here and there to fix his embellishing. Um, just little tidbits like that that give us more insight to the, you know, the type of people they yeah, are. Sound flicker sport, yeah. and you know, Rand will realize who he is and what he is. I'm sure it's very thought provoking. Or <laughs> are you going to listen? I'm just talking about Matt. Are you going to? Nice. I'm willing to bet he's got a, a sheet of paper in front of him where he came up with like no, 15 to 20 no, neutral del- lines that he could say. Delusions of Grendel posted an entire list um, on her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So, yeah, that's uh, – I, I just wonder if he's going to – I was looking it up too. I thought about it. I might, I might start working my way down. Um, you know, there's things like – Thought-provoking and uh, entertaining. You're, you're taking away it's some rolling. of my fun right now, Alan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, delusions. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chop, 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 Make it happen. Update, update. <laughs> All right. So, mm-hmm. um, so now after this whole scene, we get to the whole point where Loyal's nervous, and we figure out why Loyal's running. So and what's going the on? Next chapter, isn't that the next oh. chapter? Hmm. Or am I making that up? Oh, no, okay. no, this is the very end of this chapter. Yeah, well, yeah. it's it's a it's a balance of Loyal dumping, uh, you know, all this information about how uh, the pairings happen, and then it's also uh, Matt's realization that as much as he thought he had a choice in that matter. Yeah, uh, they no, probably never did. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the way life works. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, you, you learn that Ogiers arranged their marriages and, and Loyal's worried about getting married. Uh, and that's part, I mean, he wanted to see adventure. He wanted to see the world. There, there's part of that. But he's scared to go back because he figures that she'll just marry him away as soon as he gets back. And, and Matt laughs and says, Well, men's shoes. And Rand's like, Do they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, like, the well, you really don't have a say. That that is the fear. Like the way he made it sound, it's like the wise have the ultimate say, and that's the end. And in gear world, like if she says I can't travel, I can't travel, so I'm leaving so I could travel. I didn't realize how much the studying was a lot like the two rivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, oh. like, the two rivers just a studying. Yeah, thing. is yeah. it? Is it? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Just slightly yep, more yep. hasty. Um, you know, just don't take us long. <laughs> the village council makes decisions faster than the stump. You know, that's that's. <laughs> that's <okay. laughs> um, but yeah, do, uh, do I get a half a point for predicting that loyal ran off like to avoid some, you know, horrible, you, disastrous yeah. thing? Well, I mean, I, I wasn't spot on, but. But marriage could know. be. Uh, marriage is not that different. <laughs> See, I'm. I'm still somewhat recently divorced, so I can make jokes on marriage. You should not, because you just had your anniversary. But um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. There you go. Good choice. Yeah. So the, yeah, the chapter ends with them being summoned to the elders. That's the end of the chapter. Um, and loyal thinking about stay and get married or travel the ways. Oh, yeah, choices. Always. <laughs> yeah right (laughs) so anything we missed from this chapter anything that you guys want to talk more about no actually I think we did it all All right, moving on to chapter 36 among the elders so we have the avindasaur leaf or the trifle leaf there 
Um, that's the icon, uh, which we talked about last time, usually represents the ways. Um, yeah. So, no surprise there. And we know we're going to go talk to the elders here, so let's jump right in. But do you, um, do you see the ent, though, in the icon? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> it's there. It's there. <laughs> is, is he waving? I think I see him. He's waving. I just, Very slowly. He's got some nice hair. Let's see. He's got some nice hair. He's staring at me. Yeah. He's got some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, um, that's uh, Matt's got the good stuff tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So we start off with Loyal being super anxious because Loyal is scared that they might know who he is. And Rand suggests that Loyal just wait. Like, why don't you just stay here and just wait? And Loyal agrees. He's like, okay, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. I'll just pull a book out and you guys go ahead. I'll wait here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but fumbling his coat pocket to get it, like just a super clumsy, awkward, nervous exchange. Like, I, I think it's hilarious. That's perfect. Well, he had all the eyes of the ladies on him, too. So, he really did run to avoid marriage, which, you know, it's alluded to, but it doesn't really say that it was 100%. Yeah. And, then, you know, he's got all these girls looking at him. And like he said, all it takes is one whisper and his mom will be marrying him off without him even knowing it. So, yeah, hmm. it, it kind of reminds me of uh, it doesn't apply now because my oldest son, like, recognizes females now but for a while there he had started to mature where like girls were checking him out uh but he still didn't care he just wanted to play video games with his guy friends and he was like oh girls blah 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 uh so like literally we go places and, and alan you know this he towers over me that uh, over me he's mm-hmm. much taller than i am so he looks a lot older than he is and girls would be looking at him i'd be like oh man look at that she checking you out and he's like dad stop it oh gosh it's so weird <laughs> <laughs> you know, totally different now, but you know, when when he was a little bit younger, that that's about where Loyal's at. So, which makes me think, like, is Loyal technically like a really attractive Ogier, young Ogier man? I mean, if all the girls are checking him out, uh, I, I guess. What so? They do but, not make you ready. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> my guess is he he left the studying, so that's got to be hot. You know. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, and, and he he can sing. I mean, he's a tree singer, which is rare, apparently. So that's that's he's a rebel. Yeah, we haven't even talked about him. Yeah, they, he's 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 a little famous. Like they actually know about him at this time. Yeah, like he's part of a pop band, and he just decided that he no longer wanted to be a <laughs> part of it anymore. So that's why he left. This is your best prediction. <laughs> <He's> break, <laughs> he, he broke up the band. Um, and yeah, crushed some women's hearts, and then he had to run away. Yeah, it went to hiding because, yeah. because otherwise, yeah, the, the Ogier world was just devastated by. Um, he wants to break free from Disney and become Miley Cyrus. Like that's what it is. He's got it. Rewriting his image. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the predictions book. Yep, loyal is Miley Cyrus. Please don't ever quote me on that. <laughs> now, in the span so fast. <laughs> also, we have we have nineties Anakin Skywalker. Uh, loyal, is, loyal is Miley Cyrus. <laughs> oh, okay. 
So, so yeah, so they go to this large mound, and Aintar's being so hasty. Um, <laughs> that's that's the Ogier's favorite word is hasty. Um, he's definitely wants to just get on with this and get out. Um, like, of course, Ogier's take forever to make decisions. And they start going on and on about all the dangers of the ways. Um, and they're like, yeah, we've been there before. But then they bring out an Ogier that was caught by Machin Chen. So let's talk about this scene. What were your initial thoughts here? And then I had a question for Matt about this, because I think that this is actually an error on Robert Jordan's part. <gasps> you better, we'll so you better be ready. Seven Ogier elders, correct? Yeah, so it's Ogier's elders. Yeah, they're, they're amongst were... the Ogier. Go ahead. No, so this is the part I was going to ask Matt. So when they bring out this guy who was touched by Machin Chen, and they asked they, they asked Varen to go put her hands on him. Um, and he she immediately says, oh, he has no soul. How would she know? Because she can't use the one power because they're in a study. So do you want the answer? Or... Is it a spoiler answer? Because I don't know if there does it mention it later in the books. Uh, it's not necessarily a spoiler answer. That's that's true. Uh, yeah. But Robert Jordan did answer the question. So oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Um, and should I should I earmuffs or can no? You, you can you can listen to this. Um, he just uh, he, <laughs> this is a typical Robert Jordan answer to this kind of question. <laughs> he said he said basically it was it was just obvious from touching the ogier that he didn't. He doesn't explain oh. how it was obvious, but he just said it was obvious. Okay. But that's a paraphrased answer. <laughs> He's done some other answers. Uh, uh, but yes, it, basically you can detect it by touch. Okay. Hmm. Cool. I always just thought it was just like there that that was a little bit like, why would they ask an Aes Sedai to go touch him? And then, yeah, so it just seemed a little Yeah, because <laughs> normally she would use her, in, in their touch, they can use their power. And sure, yeah, we able to connect with the person, so she can't make a connection. So that would make logical sense. Like, why would that make sense at all if she's in the setting? Alan, that's a good question. Like, apparently, Robert Jordan answered it, though. So. No, no, well, I don't accept that. <laughs> the fun part <laughs> is that sometimes, <laughs> as fans, we get to kind of play with those, be like, that was clearly just made up in the moment or that was a mistake. He's just adding what's funny is it becomes Canon at that point. <laughs> so so right, regardless, exactly. it is the answer regardless of how we feel about it. So his, his response was because I said, so that's why I mean, that's uh, how you know he's friends with Jordan with uh, Martin. That's how, that's how all any author is. Yes. What they, whatever they it's, say in the end is true. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they are the creator. Okay. So, Back to the story. Uh, so, <laughs> so apparently you can just touch and tell um, that. Uh, <laughs> Don't follow that advice by Alan, everyone. Don't follow that advice. His winky didn't wiggle. He didn't react. He didn't react to the, to the touch of uh, that's, that's what it was. Okay. Um, Ian, bring us home. <laughs> so, favorite. There was an uncomfortable silence. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just chose not to partake in that. It's, you guys can have that one. Yeah. It does not specify so, where he was touched, uh, but so. <laughs> 
she's just she's so full of herself thinking she's so hot that clearly if I touch him nothing happens well, he must be dead inside like she's just the ultimate cougar right she gasped like oh he's dead inside <laughs> uh, okay that just rewrote this whole scene in my head like that <laughs> I just can't wait to see how section three of our discussion turns out <laughs> yeah right, right. All right, man. It so it feels weird to get serious here, but uh, my favorite line of this chapter we're coming across right here uh, after uh, hearing like uh, gaped at them openly it says, "Not even Baron had the appearance of wisdom that was in the elder's huge eyes, nor more gaze in her crown, uh, their authority, nor Moraine their calm serenity." Like they just. All of these virtues that you might think of, they personify at like the highest level that these people have just never seen before. So a, a very well-written short sentence to kind of put in context what's going on here. So kudos to Jordan there. Like everybody's just pow, amazed by, you know, being in the presence of the of this uh, group of Ogier. Yeah, so the guy, it, you know, like obviously is just basically a, Sack of meat, walking around, no soul, no thought process anymore. He's just dead, completely inside. Kind of a vegetable. I guess basic motor function still works, but that's it. Hmm. So, you know, Varen tells the elders, yeah, we know the risks. Um, some of us have been there before. We know what the risks are, but this is more important. We have the Horn of Valir, um, and the elders think about it and think they're being hasty, but they're like, yep. You guys can go ahead and use the ways. Yeah, there, um, there's still a lot of warning, though. It's like they, they really do like the word hasty, and there was essentially, you know, Mashin Shin is going to be there. Like, you guys will not make it through. They're kind of like telling them flat out, we're going to let you try, but you're going to fail. So, what's your next plan? It's kind of the thought here. And then, they and then I like I, I their comment the Horn of Valir. I do not know whether it is worse news that it is in Dark Friend's hands or that it has been found at all. I agree. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. And then the elders ask about Loyal because they know about Loyal. And that's and where... Bro- in. Right off the bat, all of his bros ran. We need him. You know, Perrin. Loyal's a friend. Matt. Uh, you don't really slow us down too much. <laughs> he carries his own weight. <laughs> he carries his own weight. He's got an odd choice in women, but you know what? Whatever. To each his own. <laughs> so I guess that was my next question. What you guys think about their different reactions to Loyal? Perrin, he's my friend. We need him. I mean, there was funny. In the he's last right. chapter, they kind of went through that exchange of like, what am I to you? And they kind of yeah. acknowledge that, you know, we love you. We, we like you. We love you. You're a friend. And Matt was indifferent. Matt seems to be indifferent about most everything that doesn't directly benefit Matt. But he yeah. always comes around in the end. Yeah. And and, and then I guess Varen brings to the point that they need loyalty to guide them to the ways anyway. And, and Loyal's given per- permission to go. Which is a big deal. Yeah. Because now he's back. Well, but it's continual. The conditional permission has been after they talk to Rand directly and essentially get Rand to promise that when it's all said and done, you know, that he'll bring him home to his steading. Right. 
and and in that process, like, uh, oh gosh, which Ogier was it? Alar. Who mentions that? Yeah, you're definitely Tavirin because the fact that I can even sense it, you know, their their powers to sense things like that apparently are fairly weak. But the fact that it stands out to them means like he's. Was that was that was that Ogier? Was that Ogier number three or Ogier number four? <laughs> I always get that stuff. I don't know. Because <laughs> that's how they get listed in the credits, you know, in the TV show. Because it's. <laughs> oh. Believe <laughs> He said, Matt, you're the you're the expert in pronunciations, right? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> no, one, no one knows how to pronounce these things uh, except for uh, Zul. So, uh, uh, <laughs> that is correct, <laughs> just like you just said it. When, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Tom, Aral, Interesting. No idea. <laughs> Punctual. <laughs> I like this adjectives game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, the weed. The web of the pattern weaves around you. Mm-hmm. But, of course, talents, it's almost as if they can sense that there's more terrain than meets the eye. So I'm wondering what these wise elders really sense in Rand, that they're not just blatantly saying. Well, he's Tefirin. But they use the word talents with a capital T as if a title. I mean... Yeah. And with an S, plural. Yes. So it's about sensing Tiberian, uh, like, mm-hmm. and clearly they're not okay. revealing everything they know. So within this council, they might know more about this group, but specifically about Rand than they're letting well, on. Yeah, they even said it the way Alara looked at him was that she knew more than what she was implying. So mm-hmm. yeah. maybe they know, that, they know the lost song of the Tinkers. They're not letting on to that either. Ooh, there you go. Well, everyone knows the lost song of the Tinkers. It's uh, it's Sandstorm, that that techno song. (laughs) 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 The one they they played in the nineties and like two thousands and all like football games and stuff. That you know, yeah, that's that's the song. Yeah. (laughs) Either either that or I but I guess either either Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. I I think it uh, might. No, you're not allowed to sing that. No, I sing that podcast. I love it. <laughs> we we, we sing every once in a while. Um. <laughs> well, Chris sings. Alan and I make like guttural noises, and it's usually off tempo. <laughs> but Chris will sing. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> um. Let's see. So then they leave. Oh yeah, Aerith gave lo- loyal flower, which was sweet. Aww. Oh, loyal thinks Earth is very pretty, and she said that loyal. I don't even even if Matt is not yet. That's great, poor guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, good for him, or however you're supposed to look at that. I feel awkward with him, so I guess you could say it's well written. 
So yeah, so then they go off to the Waygate. The Waygate's surrounded by like poisonous, like, I, I'm guessing like poison ivy and like stuff that just like that's what it's like, I, I vision. Like, they explain all the plants around it that like you just don't want to go near it, but like it just sounds like a bunch of poison ivy. That's hilarious. I mean, interesting. <laughs> poison ivy, you say? Radiant. And yeah, and they get to the Waygate. Varen picks the leaf off and immediately Machin Chin's right there. Hey, bro, how you doing? I've been waiting on your turn. Still here. Still here. was waiting on Rand. Like, all of the things were waiting on Rand when they exited the mm-hmm. uh, steading to go to the way gate. So, anyway, I just thought that was very yep. interesting how everything seems to be drawn to him. Like, you know, yeah. How did they assume, or how did Machin Shin know that he was going to go to this setting and try to use this particular gate? Which, what's, your, what's, your, what's your prediction? Yeah, what's your prediction on it? I mean, Martin Sheen is very, very <laughs> powerful. Carmi <laughs> also almost wants to feel like it's more attractive to like Matt. Okay. Because of the dagger. Because of the dagger connection. Uh, connection between uh, Pat and Fane and Matt. And so Fane is using his connection with Matt to kind of track Rand. That probably way off the wall, but probably won't. That's interesting. Hey, if if that's the case, do we think Matt might have the ability to control it? You know, if you got the dagger back in his hand, maybe you could. I I think that would be a good, good bet. Interesting. Profound. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out three books that we're completely wrong, but hey. Yeah, that's all right. In so, the yeah, meantime, so- we've got an idea for another T-shirt now. Thank you, uh, Matt, with more than one T. Uh, profound. <laughs> that's just that was very <laughs> heartfelt. Stick it on there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so... So yeah, they close the gate immediately. Uh, Rand says, Alicia didn't try to come out this time, and Varen, Varen corrects Rand, saying, it's tied to the ways it cannot come out, and Rand doesn't even want to argue about it. He's like, I could have sworn I saw it come out when I was in Kyrian, but sure, whatever, Varen. This brings me back to what we said even early in Eye of the World, like how much shorter this story would be if people would communicate better, because you know... <laughs> Rand clearly saw certain things and, you know, Varen wants to be dismissive of it. Well, then we have here Varen kind of mumbling to herself like, well, it couldn't, could it? Hmm. So she's clearly thinking things through in her head. They're also surrounded by a bunch of super smart O'Gear that have been reading books like their entire lives. Like, why not take a timeout and say, okay, timeout. Everybody, let's share information right now. Like, I feel like we could... <laughs> Skip a whole lot of chapters, but uh, that wouldn't be as much fun, also, I guess. Like, forget all about R.I.L. women, our, our shield maiden. They just kind of disappear. Oh man, I even like, think about why that. I ask them to join the quest, or why I get some more information about their thoughts on Rand, or you know, I I feel like saying like if you think communication is really bad right now, I feel like doing the Hamilton. Just you wait, just you wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's a common theme. This, this is the theme of the entire book: is that poor communication just get no gets nowhere. You have to yeah. get to talk. 
Yeah. I love that. I love <clears> that. Ra- I love that Rand anyway. actually does his own like theorizing. Some people kind of like, mm-hmm. it almost it feels like they're, they're in your head because you're wondering the same thing. I love how Jordan kind of like has Rand sit there and go, you know, maybe, maybe Fane did this and, you know, and you know, I love that because he's getting <laughs> yeah. into the predictions game just along with us. He's just living it, if you will. And we're reading it. So. Well, you can't help but do that. You know, I think uh, if Alan is actually keeping a spreadsheet, probably every other page, Chris and I have come up with some wild prediction, but you you just get little bits of information along the way that could mean so many different things. And like you said, Rand's doing it real time. So it's can't help it. You'll be back. <laughs> and this is where you bring up the stuff. And so, yeah, so we close the way gate. Um, Black Wind, Machinchen is now safely con- uh, contained. And Inktar says, F this crap. I'm out. I'm done with you guys. <laughs> I'm going back to Kyrian. And, and, and Rand says, Dude, he's at Tobin Head. Fane says at Tobin Head, and he's like, oh, "I'm just done with you guys. We're, we're done here. I'm, I'm going back." Um, and they start kind of thinking about what to do next. Next steps: Should we go try to find another way gate? The closest one would be Camelin or Tarvalin. It's really far away, and Machin Chen will probably be there waiting for him. So that's probably not a good idea. And Heron's kind of like, we, "What we really need is a portal stone right now." And Varen's like, well, that's not necessarily a bad idea, uh, but I don't know where they are. Um, that's what I know is where you guys came from. That's still a ways away. And Rand's like, yeah, Matt would be dead by the time we get to that one. Yeah. So, but then one of the Oak Gears is like, oh, you're looking for one of those stones? Yeah, this one right right down the street. Like, right over there. For a, book, for, for a series of books <laughs> that's 14 books long, that was super convenient. <laughs> like, yes, I know we're yeah. close to the end of the book, but we're like, you can drug that out a little bit longer if you really wanted to. Sure. <laughs> it does seem like right place, right time kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah. Right, right, what, you need a story to me like that one right there? <laughs> yeah, it's the pattern. It doesn't need you to, it doesn't need to wait. <laughs> and that's, and then we end with them heading out towards, towards the portal star. So. What can go? What can go, what can go wrong? <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on this chapter, guys? Uh, I thought we were gonna make a couple chapters without talking about that horrible lady, Celine. But of course, they had to bring her up. Well, that just yeah, that everything really for me. Because Baron makes a really good assumption or statement. She was like, "I'd really like to get my hands on this." Or am I jumping ahead? No, I think yeah, she said that. I really like that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's in here. Or her book. You know, yeah. I never put much thought into what was on her character and what she was reading in books and this, that, and the other. But maybe I want to know what Celine is. I, I'm, she, she intrigues me now even more than she did before. And yeah. he had that moment where Rand's like, I could fight and I could probably win if I was so much of a pussy and would reach out to the void. And then take on Sadine. So there's that. Brand's not as giving as he makes mm-hmm. us about to be because if he was a true friend, he would have fought it. 
Mm. Intriguing. Intriguing. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Uh, Ian, Matt, anything? Any questions, Matt? Do you have for uh, these guys? Yeah, so I do have a question for you both, which is, do you believe that Ogier can channel? Oof. Well, you have those that sing. Well, I guess it would determine, or what would really make the difference is, do we consider channeling only connected to Sidene and Sidar? Or are we thinking about channeling in the terms of, do they use magic in general? Because the answer would be yes. Are you asking if they could tap into the same source of power that the humans tap into? Sure. I almost feel like uh, that was a setup. That was that was too <laughs> hook line stinker. When I was asking the channel uh, like, if Ogier can channel, I mean channel the one power. Okay, because yeah. we have the one power that comes from the true source. And, you know, my brain's not smart enough to figure all this out. And then we, we find that there's other abilities out there that aren't the same as channeling. And if they're not channeling, do they still come from the true source? Probably, maybe. Uh, so maybe they have some connection a little bit, uh, closer to the true source or part of the true source. They get their own powers. It's not necessarily the same as channeling. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. (laughs) Maybe they can, but they won't because all of what happens with the power that's being used from the true source seems to be somewhat destructive in nature. And the Ogier are really destructive. They're creators. So, I don't know. Mm. I'll say yes. yes. How about that? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Find out in yeah. six more books. <laughs> or never. Maybe. 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 Um, yeah. So, anything else you guys want to talk about from this chapter? Nope, I'm good. No. All right. Moving on to chapter 37. What might be. And the icons of Portal Stone. So we are now going into one of the most favorite chapters in the Great Hunt. Um, this is definitely on usually everyone's top five list of favorite chapters of the book. Do you see the pharaoh on the icon? <laughs> There's two. They're pointing at each other. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something to think about. Something to think about. <laughs> That's going to come into play pretty soon. <laughs> it's going to. So, yeah. So, what might be. I think we we didn't really hypothesize that much last episode about what that might mean. But now you guys have read it. So, you know what it means. So, yeah. let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, so, yeah, they get to the stone. That's how we start. They get there, it's, and they talk a little bit about how they tried to move it. It didn't want to move. They stood it up. It's kind of all weathered, except for the symbols. to look pretty fresh on it. And the Ogiers kind of comment about how you know they're, they're willing to help at this point because they've tried to stay out of the business of, of, of humans for the most part. But with Tarmagaiden obviously coming, uh, meaning the last battle, that probably will not will, – that probably will affect the Ogiers too. So <laughs> – and they, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think they said Tarmagata will not pass us by and wish them luck. 
Well, I guess I got to tweak what I said on the, the last chapter or two chapters ago, how the Ogier believe they're completely protected in there. I guess at this point, they're putting together if everything's happening and, you know, especially if they look at Rand and think he's more than what they're letting on. Uh, they're, they're recognizing that even they're not safe. Yeah. And, and I love Varen using this, 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 her, her word jujitsu, as I call it during all this interaction. Mm-hmm. Like she's just, she's answering questions, but in very, very strategic ways. Um, you know, Inktar wanted to leave and Varen convinces him to stay, but then also, you know, when, the, when talking about the stones, they're like, well, Rand's used it more, you know, more recently than I have. And then Rand turns and goes, oh, so you used it before? goes, no, I've never used them. That means you've used it more recently than I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Rand, you're going to do it. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough for the power to do it at all. So I'm just going to be here to help you out. And Rand's not really happy about this, and he kind of talks himself into it. It's like, well, I guess it's worth it. You know, well, use it once to get there and use it once to get back. I can use the power twice. That won't make me go crazy. And they start and they get to the, they start examining the symbols. And you get a little description about like the top half are other worlds, the bottom half are different stones within our this world. And so what's your thoughts on all this? Uh again, you you could have called this chapter choices. Um <laughs> We, we've run into that quite a bit. Uh, choices with quotes, you know, and italicized and whatnot. Varen definitely uh, gives Inktar kind of a hard time and, and talks him into continuing on in this path. Uh, Rand not wanting to use the portal stone and essentially saying, hey, look, you know, make a choice. Your, your, your friend croaks. I mean, whatever, that's on you. Or we do this thing. This is kind of like our only option. And so Rand gets to choose whether he just stands there being a, a total a-hole and risking his friend's life or, you know, moving forward and roll the dice. Exactly. And I think they actually use that terminology, roll the dice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally, yep. Rand made the statement that Matt was a gambler, and she said, well, at the end of the day, you have to make the choice. You have to be one that gamble and select a symbol on the stone and of course he picked one that represented his feelings the most which is pretty funny yeah yeah and 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 tells him that if he picks the wrong choice he'll kill them and rand's like how can you stay so calm he's like well i mean you're the dragon reborn so i guess the pattern will protect us so yeah i fit in that and Tran's like, really? That doesn't sound like a good idea. But <laughs> so I have a question um, really quickly. So it was in this chapter that it was mentioned, the mirrors of the wheel. What do we know about this book? Okay, okay so uh, we learned from Loyal. Didn't he explain some? It, well, or it, he or he Celine, excited talking to Celine about yeah, it. Yeah, Celine mentioned that she had read that in the Kyrian Library. So is this the book that was referenced earlier? Or is this the book that? Yeah, I, I mean, is because we know that Varen wants to get a hold of her in her book. Is it the mirrors of the wheel that she wants to get a hold of? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And of course, we know that not every stone is connected to every world, but I wonder how they figured out, A, what worlds would go best together on a stone, or if the stones <laughs> were something that came about because of magic in the world, and the stones were kind of just a creation of the magic. 
I have a lot of questions about the stones. Yeah, I mean, the only thing we really know, uh, yeah. know about them is they date back before the Age of Legends, or at least two. Yeah, so they're thousands of years old, and no one really knows much about them. I mean, they know bits and pieces, but no one's used them for 3,000 years. Uh, except for Celine, maybe. Except for Celine. Hey, so I want to talk about, as I'm reading Varen giving these instructions to Ran with what little she knows, it almost seems pointless because at the end of the day, really, Ran just has to, you know, get in touch with the power and kind of let that guide him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at first I'm thinking, oh, uh, well, maybe she's teaching him what little she knows to kind of build up his confidence a little. But then I started thinking, what if it's the exact opposite? What if right before he goes to do this, she's intentionally trying to make him uh, not just doubt himself, but um, feel that like huge sense of urgency, like that that need. So um, and we talked about need before when we were right. And it, so we talked about the need that the need is great when we were with uh, Moraine and trying to go see the Green Man, right? Mm-hmm. And and it only happens like if the need is great. And now we're here and on this precipice. And, you know, she even talks about like, well, I don't, I don't think you're going to die because, you know, you're the dragon. So that it's not going to end here sort of thing. But she also still instills a little bit of fear in him. Like, you know, you got to roll the dice. If you get it right, hey, yay, we live. If not, we all die in some crazy dimension that rips us apart sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't, can't trust these freaking eyes to die. Like, I I think I concluded more with she was trying to make him panic a little as he went to do this and in hopes that he would be more successful because the need is great. I don't know. Well, no, I agree with you. Like she made the statement, you are what you are and the will would not allow you to die. And then with that impression on him, he felt that anxiety. So he chose the arrows that he did. He said the arrow left because it was in the direction of time and head and the fact that the arrow was broken free on the symbol because he, it was what he wanted to be, free of the eyes to die, free of the power. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you try sometimes. <laughs> if you try sometimes, you might find. <laughs> you get what you need. Oh yeah. So, so before we jump any further down here, I'm kind of curious what you both think about why they said that it seemed like it resisted being moved. So why would the stone I, resist or I sense that? I thought about that, and so Chris was kind of dancing around my thoughts about that, about really questioning how they're all connected, and but I mean, so. Uh, Essentially, the power that exists there at these stones, uh, it's not just that one location. They're all interconnected. So even if you're trying to push one stone, like you're you're really trying to affect the entire system. Like magnets. And I just feel like it would resist that. Yeah, something like that. Like Maybe that's a better... Like I don't a know. polarity I'm between the stones. Like they have to be in a specific spot or position. So that the connection isn't broken. Yeah. And they're placed in the areas where they come about in the areas where the power itself is highly focused. 
just like your north and south poles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like Stonehenge. Or the aliens put it there. Or like pyramids. <laughs> Are there like parallel universes and the stones connect those two different universes together? Like you'd have to physically move an entire universe to move the stone. Or apart, you like collapse one. But so where you were going with that, Chris, like maybe it's not as this isn't magic, like just, you know, Alakazam, poof, we have a portal stone here. Yay. But the, the, the magic, if you will, the power that we see here, it's, it's, tied very directly to the physical world that they're in mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense so it's going to resist that more than if if it was as simple as just poof wave a wand then you can kind of plop one wherever you want if you have the thought that this is more like radiation more- and science and that sort of theology because we don't quite know yeah. what the power really is it- and maybe it is connected to like you said the machine and this is one gear within the larger machine and we're looking at some type of scientific explanation, yeah. which means we've got to have some type of polarity between the different worlds and then, of course, the different stones. So I kind of see that the the web, kind of like the internet, almost like a satellite, thinking about it in that type of sense, if I'm picturing it. Uh, hmm. correct me, Although amusing. Correct, I will say this. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but um, Robert Jordan did have a degree in physics, right? I don't think he had a degree in physics. I thought he, he, okay. really, he, I thought he, he studied it and he, he okay. loved physics. I didn't think he actually, I think he's talked about, he, you know, he could get on the stage with, with those with degrees and he could still kind of hold his own. I think that was the kind of commentary. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. If, if we look at Occam's razor, then the answer would be that the stones are really fucking heavy. <laughs> Cause the simplest explanation is generally, the right one nice oh i just looked it up so he went to the citadel his undergraduate degree was in physics oh his undergrad was in physics uh, that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. then he was a nuclear engineer See, now mm-hmm. that all makes perfect sense polarity and such mm-hmm. there we go so yeah it has, has to do with string theory then that's what it is string theory, the string theory. yeah that's what kind of holds the it there I, yep. Yep. Studied, so I would know nothing about that hmm. it's actually a regret I don't yeah. know. I I studied it, and I feel like I knew less when I finished taking those <laughs> classes. So <laughs> maybe what, that's the point. What is? <laughs> that's it. That's the whole question. Yeah. What is? Yeah, what that's is? A good, that's a good segue to the next section. Because it, it can't be if it isn't. <laughs> what if is what you flicker. meant? What if? Flicker, 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 flicker. So mm. yeah, so now Rand draws all the power. He fills up with it, and he concentrates on this symbol that he logically picked, and the world flickers. Dead. Dying. Yep, and the power flooded. Mm-hmm. It wasn't right. just that the power kind of touched him a little bit. He wasn't dancing with it. The power flooded. Mm-hmm. Whoosh. And the world flickers, and he's back at winter night. The locks spin across the floor. The truck's coming in. Rand yells, or Tam yells for Rand to run. But instead of running, Rand decides to fight. Uh, gets run right through with a sword. Well, he gets he gets Tam dead first. Yeah. Him choosing yeah. to stay means that Tam gets diced up, and then he gets diced up. Mm-hmm. And as he's dying, he hears a voice in his head says, 
I have one again, lose Theron. Son of a gun. And then Flicker. <laughs> <laughs> Flicker. And now he's back you know, in this world and everything's going like crazy. Old, like, cool like, you know how they make that click, 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 click. Like, that's what I yeah. That's what I feel. It's like a movie playing over and over and yeah. over again. Just the different, different clips of the same movie done in different ways. Mm hmm. Mm. So Flickers again, and Rand is married to Gwen now. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's there's this, there there's some news of troubles of wars, and Arthur Hawkwing's armies have returned, and I said I have gone because Arthur Hawkwing's armies killed them all. And tamed tamed out of old age, Gwen's the wisdom. Rand's starting to go mad, and Gwen's kind of healing him. And then the trucks come, and yeah, that one didn't seem too bad. Yeah, you know. He he got to have the girl that you know had, he was promised to that he thought he'd be with. He got to spend mm-hmm. a lot of time with his dad. He had some kids, you know, had kids. So you know, yeah. But you know, at the end of each one, it. he's yeah. just like, "This just wasn't quite right." And <laughs> not what I was meant to be doing. Yep. And then flickers again, and then Egwene dies right before their wet the night before their wedding. Mm-hmm. So that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tam gives Rand a sword, trains him in it, and says, hey, how would you head off and fight the wars? He joins the Queen's army, meets men, this weird girl named Middle on the way, but all the stuff's robbed from him in Berylaine. And then he, you know, he comes to the Queen's guard for Andor, and Elaine, you know, is the daughter heir, and thinks that thinks about her all the time, but he's just a guard, so she's a pay attention to him. And falls dragons everywhere, and then gets in a battle, and yeah, he dies mm-hmm. too. <laughs> but in that one, it's kind of because he can use the power a little bit, mm-hmm. so he knows he can. It's this one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he knows he can. So kind of, kind of helps him, uh, you know, move up the ranks or or gain some power within the ranks, and tries to use it yeah, a little bit without being discovered. Is what it says. This is the false dragon sprang up around. Yeah, he did. Him. He learned that he could channel. He used it to his advantage. But no one else was near because it gave him just a little luck. With a little luck, he could win. And he commanded the guard. He came to Camelin. He went to protect the queen. But he felt like he was born for greater. And then I have one again, loose there. Beggar. He was a beggar king. He was a beggar. And then he was a uh, king. And then he, he went on a ride, a wild ride. Like he's on shrooms <laughs> or something. Yeah, and then then we get to the famous flicker, 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 flicker scene. How many flickers? How many flickers does it take to get to the end of the portal stone? Twenty-four. Yeah, seven by three plus three. Well, plus the early flickers, but those were like immediate flickers, so a longer flicker. Yeah. What kind of politician response is that? Well, what about the other flickers? Why? You're gonna count those. I, I didn't do know we were counting those flickers. <laughs> I think I lost a few IQ points. <laughs> oh my gosh! A superimposing oh, yeah. flicker. I would. We just took a total side, but superimposing the flicker, flicker, flicker over that would be really funny. I might have to go do that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so I, 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 I'm with the questions. Everybody gets dumber in the crowd. It just flicker, flicker, flicker. So do you think that the flicker has meaning? 
Like, why did uh, what? What does what does Flicker mean to you? And why flick her? Why not him? <laughs> hmm. Again, like if if we go back to my analogy of like a movie reel, an old school movie reel, then that's just that sound is kind of indicative of moving from one scene to the next scene. And that's kind of what he's doing is he's watching different lives happen. Um, kind of taking it back to the magical side of things like I don't know, like the Sadine is surging through him, but they're traveling through different worlds rather than going through different thoughts in his mind. They're all traveling at the same time. They're all seeing these different lives that they could have had, and they're all moving. Maybe they're like moving at the speed of light or something, and it's just like sound bursting or something. I don't know. I'm spitballing as many ideas as I can think of. I like I like the uh, the speed of light idea. That's fun. I, I I got nothing. I just put my floaties on and I was just hanging out listening. <laughs> they, they do end up at a different time of the year and everything, don't they? Did I misread that or? Yeah, but no. Yeah, they, yeah, they travel so through space and time. Like yeah. burst through. But, like maybe they're just transporting or teleporting and they're doing so at the speed of light, and it's like every time they hit, they pick up, and it's like click 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 because they're speeding through these parallel universes at the speed of light that kind of ties in a science fiction aspect of oh. it, but i don't quite know to think about these books all the time it's like breaking it's it's the sound of them breaking through the the barriers yeah. between the multiverses between the different turns of the wheel and different possible lives or maybe the wheel as well as little wheels with like the little Man. thing on it and then you know how like you spin the wheel along uh, Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. <laughs> it's all up to chance. Yeah. So what do you think about yeah. the phrase "I've won again, lose Theron" every single time? Well, he dies every single time, and he doesn't defeat the Dark One. So, if we read into the chapter title, what might be? <clears throat> You know, you get your line, I've won again, lose Theron. So what might be that, you know, maybe it's a warning to him, like even even now on this path, you know, if, if you don't do it just right, if you don't make just the right choices, or if you don't give in and let Sidine kind of take control and uh, kind of guide you in the right way, like it's going to happen again. I thought it was ironic that we know. didn't see where he won. Maybe that is what stops the wheel yeah. from turning. Maybe that is what ends the world yeah. is him winning. Maybe he's not supposed to win. Mm. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> well, that's sad. Maybe we're reading these books and we get to the end and he still loses. And then you can take it a step further too because um, we're going kind of cut into this next scene, but everyone else experienced all their what might be too. So by them choosing to do this particular, by Rand making this choice and picking this symbol and forcing all these people to do that, it affects their lives as well. And they've now seen possibilities that definitely now might change their minds on things. Agreed. I'm kind of curious yeah. for both of you, like how do you think that this would affect you and or a character? If you, let's say you lived uh, in the space of, 
you know, whatever. seems like it's sudden for you. Maybe it's over four months, but you lived 50, 100 different lives of your own. How would it affect you? And how do you think it might affect them? Or do you think it would affect them? Well, what I can say is when I got to the flicker, 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 flicker however many there are apart, uh, I set the book it's, down. It's, it's 42. <laughs> 42, there you go. So after the 42nd flicker, uh, I set the book down and for whatever reason, like that whole section got a pretty strong emotional response for me. I, I, I just started thinking randomly, uh, one, if I had read this book when I was a young kid, I probably wouldn't be able to relate as much to it. But now I'm 37 and well, that's not old. I've done a lot of shit in my life and there's been a lot of critical points in my life where I could have chose to go a different direction and then just wondering how much different my life would be. I mean, it, in, you know, the easy ones in, in high school, I, growing up, I did all sorts of sports, but by, by the time you get to high school, you kind of have to pick the ones you're going to, you know, participate in in varsity and like swimming and wrestling was a flip of a coin for me because I liked them both. And I, I swam because there were girls on the swim team I thought were cute and there were no girls in wrestling. So, you know, I went that route. But what if I'd have been a wrestler? How different would my life have been? Towards the end of high school, a little more personal, you know, Alan, you know this, my, my parents separated and got divorced in my senior year of high school. <clears throat> and before that, uh, I had already applied to and gotten into the Citadel and Stanford and had free rides to both of them. Uh, and because of the divorce, decided I wanted to stay close to home. Almost didn't go to college at all, but decided I wanted to stay close to home and ended up going to William and Mary as my consolation school. <laughs> that was my backup. But how much different would my life have been like if they stayed married another two years and I had already gone off to Stanford? Maybe I'd be, well, I would be, I'd be a totally different person. My whole life would have been wildly different. You know, if I didn't join the army, I, I don't know. I, I just I thought about this way too much, <laughs> not in terms of regret, but oh, just yeah. I mean, there's a million bajillion different things that could have I happened in my life. Agree with you. I stayed in the same relationship uh -huh. for ten years. I could have left at any point. Could have made different decisions. I didn't want to go to college originally, so I didn't seriously take yep. any of my college applications seriously. I just bullshitted them all. So I ended up at a school that I loved, and I teach now for a living. But you know. While I was in high school, while I was, you know, I was on track to do science, technology, and engineering, mathematics, and I completely left that because I was bored by it. There are so many different choices that could have been made, and it could lead you down such a different path. I mean, I also grew up, we all grew up in an environment where, you know, drugs were prevalent and gangs were a thing, and, you know, it would have been yeah. just as easy to hit the streets mm -hmm. and being a intelligent person who knows the law well enough, who's got enough connections in the city. I could have made a hell of a drug lord. Like I, I've had that. I had that thought like there wasn't, yeah. even a, Oh, this could be something interesting. It was, I have opportunity. I, I have connections. I have ways that I could go out and do all of these things and make my life so much easier. And yeah, they're a little illegal, but you know, I also have other people that could take care of situations for me. And, you know, then I didn't come to college and graduated and became a pillar of my community. And so then there's high expectations put on me. So then I have to live up to these standards, be it whether I like it or not. 
it's it's now a requirement. But what if I had decided in high school instead of becoming a member of the Boys and Girls Club and working with youth and going that route, what if I had decided to play football? And, you know, being at that time, even high school, 6'5", 390 pounds, like who knows where I'd be? Like there, I, I agree with you. Oh, yeah. Entering into a relationship that I was pushing and pushing and pushing. What if I had saw like after year three when I was like, oh, I'm going to propose to you. And then she's like, no, that's not a good idea. We have too much else going on in our life. What if I had just taken that right then as this isn't going to work? Where would I be right now? I may be married with kids and, right. you know, moved on to other things. A different career, different hobbies. Yeah. Maybe we never would have done this podcast. I like to think no matter the scenario, we would have all <laughs> found each other and done the podcast. Flicker, flicker, flicker. Yeah. Yeah, so we can probably talk about all, all our, our personal what might be's for hours. <laughs> but in the, in the sense of time and in the sense of the story, everyone here does react differently to it. You know, when Rand falls, yeah. falls to his knees, let goes of the power, he looks around, everyone's in shock. Some people are like, crying some people are throwing up uh violently um parents trying to dig his eyes out um it's it's Mm. it's like very and 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 doesn't go through it and tell you what everyone saw i mean we get hints about some people saw uh but obviously they all saw possible lives farron remains calm she's nice to die um but yeah they're on tome and head and it's been months wow. four months from well if, if we can get into their reactions um that's why i think it's good that chris and i and i would imagine a lot of people reading this for the first time if they're not just rushing through it like that's a point where i think a lot of people would stop and start to think what if you know it mm-hmm. it, it it made it made us both do it right yeah but but the people that actually experienced all of this they didn't have the what if moment like we're just guessing you know oh, we could have been totally different they actually saw all these different scenarios and by some of the responses like Inktar uh maybe in one of his made the decision to be a dark friend accepted the invitation uh matt apparently in one of his lives turned his friend rand in mm-hmm. and now they have to recognize that even though it's different people and Rand even tried to bail out Matt saying, no, it's not you. It's a different person. It's still them with just a yeah. one choice different or one little butterfly effect different. You know, that's still part of who they could have been. And I especially think about Ingtar for him to have to think that there is a scenario out there where he might have chosen to fall into the shadow versus be the person that he is now like that's going to be a huge jolt to his his confidence and his self-awareness and his self-actualization of who we always thought he was if that if that makes sense profound mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> amusing 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 <laughs> does it surprise you that your life might be differently if you were made different choices or different things happen to you every single day man it's my every favorite day. quote from the book yeah, crazy. so far mm. 
Yeah. And she almost yeah. implies that if he could control the surge so, yes. power that's coming from him, he could have stopped them from going through all that. Yeah, so that's another thing, too, is that the power definitely surged. Was that Rand not being a controller? Was something else at, going on? Like, I didn't know the question about that. Well, like, if, if Rand, what's your thoughts again, there's the whole thought that humans channel the power, which means they just give it an outlet to enter into the world. So then they don't really have any control over what's happening with the power. They can just kind of manipulate the amount that surge that goes through them and enters the world so again like maybe they are um angrial themselves so like if we're going based on that theory then that wasn't Rand's choice he doesn't know how to peter it out it's just going through him and then it does what it wants to do yeah we so we talked about this a lot at the end of Eye of the World. Is Rand actually in control? Is he making decisions to do this, or is he just a vessel that the power is channeling through to make certain things happen? Like, is he just screwed? And and we keep joking about the choices. He doesn't really have a choice. Like, this is the way things are going to go. Uh, and and if you buy into that a little bit, then this is an experience that all of these characters needed to go through. Some being the the creator, the whoever, I, I don't know, knows that in order for this story to end the way it needs to end, in order for them to be successful, whatever that is, they had to go through this experience. And so the surge was an, intentional. Mm. I, I don't think Ray would have chosen to do that if he, if he had the ability but they were made to Suspicious. go through it anyways. <laughs> I don't know. Did you say delicious? What are you eating over there? <laughs> Suspicious. Suspicious. Sus. Sus. That's, that's very sus. Uh, Ian's being sus right now. I don't know if anybody else plays Among Us right now, but Ian's definitely being sus. <laughs> He's totally the imposter. Uh. Short, short guy sus. <laughs> I'm actually just trying to say something like so ridiculous that I, I get a reaction um, <laughs> yeah. out of Mr. Matt here. Like, like, cockamamie. I'm being so good. <laughs> I'm being so good. <laughs> yeah. You are. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, everyone shook up in different ways. Matt's obviously upset, saying, I'll never betray you. Perrin is really, really solemn. He's still not sure if he's out of it. Rand's like, Yeah, we're at Toman Head. We're, we're back. We're, it's done. We're here. But yeah, like I said, it's four months later. So they haven't really made any time by doing this. In fact, they might have lost time. It <laughs> might not have taken four months for them to still have walked there. And we end the chapter with them heading off towards uh, Falme, towards Jumping Head, uh, and Rand hoping that it's not too late. So yeah, this is the end That's of the, the Flicker best. Flicker chapter. Yeah, it is one of the best. It was so good. Yeah. I'm going to leave it's, it's a good you chapter. with the question, but I can wait on this. I don't, I don't really need the answers. I just want to ask the question nope. to go off into the, you know, to the next podcast <laughs> episode. <laughs> there you go. Well, so if we're, if we're going to wrap up with something wise like that, let me throw in one more thing before we get there. Uh, everybody's bummed about the amount of time that passed by. And I guess for a split second I was, but then I thought about it. 
and they've gained an advantage on the people they're pursuing. The element of surprise. And I don't know if that'll come into play, but they bought time for Matt. They, mm-hmm. In theory, they bought four for Matt, who should have already lost his shit and be dead by now. So, so long as Pat and Fane and doesn't know that this was possible, right? And doesn't factor this into his equation. By now, he might have already be thinking, well, clearly the Matt dude's toast. Uh, maybe they've given up on coming after me or, or something, you know? So they, they just, they have that element. Might be harder to find them, but yeah. no, no one should be really expecting this, I would think. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Final thoughts on all these chapters from you guys? His reaction to Aes Sedai has gotten even more vicious. I want to know what he saw hmm. in regards to Aes Sedai throughout yeah. all of these. Because it never really mentions that mm. much. Hmm. Their interactions. And then yeah. poor Gwen goes through so much. I must feel sorry for Yeah, Gwen does go through a lot. Stabs yeah. him at one point, gentles him. Comes Armland's seat, like just yeah, crazy. What's your super crazy? And I get I get the impression that in every scenario, Perrin um, became this wolf brother. Uh, he made the comment to end paraphrasing, like I guess there's some things we can't avoid becoming or something to that effect. Yeah, I just assume he was talking about himself also. Hmm. So Matt, any final questions? Yeah, I, just, I, I you want, said you had a I question. I answer. I just want to think about it. Uh, so the chapter is called "What Might Be." Do you, and do you want to ask the question after I do the no, sign off, or do you yeah, want to yeah, do I it think now? Leave it. Leave it for the sign off. Leave them. Uh, I think uh, just to, yeah, as it, as it goes off. But the chapter is okay. "What Might Be," and I think it was Ian who brought up the butterfly effect. So I want to ask you: Do you think that this is a butterfly effect moment? And if so, how do you think? Or what do you think the repercussions from this moment might be through the entire series, or if there will be any? And that's the thought I want to leave you with. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Profound. <laughs> Catawampus. <laughs> Put that little implant in your brain and make you just think on it for the next three days. Um, so, yeah. Um, so before we did the whole slide off, favorite characters from these chapters. Uh, we do that every every week now. Um, we had a couple. We had Loyal, Matt, Perrin, Inktar, Rand, Varen, Aerith. Aiel 1, Aiel 2. <laughs> I'm going to go with the version of Egwene that stabs Rand with a dagger because <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How messed that? Yeah. I love you so much. I need to do this. Stabs. Like, come on. Stabby stabs. Yeah. <laughs> flicker, 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 flicker. That's mm-hmm. what the flicker was. That's her stabbing him over and over again in twenty different scenarios. <gasps> Chris, you have fair character. You know, throughout all three chapters, I don't know. Rand is always going to be the guy that my mind keeps coming to because. Okay. He just went through a bunch of stuff and we actually got to read through the stuff that he went through and to hear about him disintegrating to just fingers enough to pull a bowstring and him still going off to fight 
him having a successful, loving family and still going off to fight, him allowing himself to be killed over and over and over again, and him always losing, even though he never seemed to be in a position to lose. It's like he just was overcome or made the decision to die. So I would go with Rand. Yeah. Mm. So we have Egwene and Rand. Cool. A, a specific version of Egwene. A specific version. And then, so the next, th- Not- the next three chapters we're going to cover. Um, the next one is practice, and the symbols the flame of Tarvalin. Mm. Then the flight from yeah. then the flight from the White Tower, and then the next one is Damane. Damane, <laughs> depending on how you like. That. Domine, Show me the money. Domine or Dominoes. Yeah, whatever whatever you call it. Thoughts about the next chapters? Uh, well, I'm, I'm fairly certain we're getting back to our lady friends, and I'm excited to. We've been too far gone. Uh, I wonder if we're just going to go back to where we left off or if it's going to be one of those, like, uh, meanwhile, the last month, this is what happened. And, uh-huh. you know, suddenly they can do all this cool <laughs> stuff while you were away. Sure. Let's well, be fun. Um, by the way, uh, Matt Hatch said in chat, he didn't say it live, but his favorite character was <laughs> <in those chapters>. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. Call, call Re- reveal? <laughs> hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Any final things from you, Matt? Anything you want to add or anything right, you want to? So- yeah, so I Say. want to thank you all for putting me through two and a half very difficult hours of, <laughs> hours of torture. not talking about the Wheel of Time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's been great. I appreciate, you know it. <laughs> I, no, I appreciate listening to, and I think I mentioned this in chat, which was it's really interesting to hear adults read the books for the first time. And that's always been fascinating to me. And, you know, they're just mm-hmm. things as, as a kid, when I pick these up, I just never would have noticed. And then I go back and read them, but it's just different. And so it's really fascinating to hear you kind of predict and pontificate and like what the, all the you know, meanings are of what Robert George is trying to say. And so then it's, and then it is fun to kind of be there and just, you know, come up with some random question that may or may not have relevance and to hear you actually speak about things mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes get close and sometimes be so far away. And that's just, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. So I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been yeah, no, I've been, I've, I appreciate yeah. you with all the, all the little insights on the chapter symbols. And, you didn't think uh, that was something I never knew. You didn't know I was a master. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. Uh, of, 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 of looking, looking to these symbols. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's 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 been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming. Um, you know, I, it, it it it's always tough for people that don't do this every single week. I tell people this whenever we have content creators on the show with us uh, that are not used to talking to first time readers on a weekly basis, like I am. Um, it's tough because um, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to spoil it for them. At the same time, they sometimes they're hitting things right on the head. Sometimes they're so far off, and sometimes it's like you want to give yeah. that nudge, but at the it's same fun. time you don't. So it's, it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so like I said, thank you so much for coming. Um, hopefully in the future, uh, maybe when we get further down the series, we can have you back on. You know, a few books from now, and then maybe it's easier because 
It's not really as spoilery right now where you right. can't talk about anything because <laughs> we're only two, two books in or not even two books. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Bring them in for the finale and then, like, <laughs> everything's fair game. Everything, <laughs> I think it's it really easy because then you can actually theorize and actually just talk uh, about it. You know, yeah, um, I appreciate it. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, how we can be found is at The Wheel Reads on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those good places. Uh, thewheelreads.com is our is our website. Um, if you have gone to it, you know it just redirects you to another fantastic website called thegreatblight.com. Uh, it, it just it just redirects you to our fan our, our content creator page on the Great Blight, which by the way that's a fantastic resource, great website. Um, it's it's new, it's still in beta, but it's it's growing. It's um, a great place to go get Wheel of Time stuff, whether it's articles that Matt Hatch puts out that are fantastic, or if it's um, our, our, just the wiki that they're constantly developing or finding other content creators. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, also, join our Discord. That's great fun. Patreon, support us. We love supporters. Uh, merchandise, buyer stuff. Um, it's pretty good stuff. It's pretty good. Yeah, we, 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 we have, we have, we have team Pater stuff, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we have our floody t-shirts that are coming soon and then we have our logo stuff and everything. So, uh, more stuff to come as we come with more inside jokes, we'll add more and more merchandise. <laughs> that In- interesting, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, also, but make sure you, uh, whatever service you, you listen to us on, whether it's Apple Podcast or Google or Podbean, just like us, review us. Yeah. Um, even if this bad reviews, <laughs> it helps with the algorithms. I've said this before. If you're gonna, if you're, if you're gonna write a bad review, I ask you just to go ahead and just email me or send me a message. I'm happy that way too. Like that's a lot more constructive. But if you want to get, I'll email you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it. <laughs> and my email is thewheelreads at gmail.com if you didn't kind of guess that. Um, so <laughs> um, that's all I got for this week. Anything for you guys? Peace. Until Peace. next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time. <laughs>